Welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. I really appreciate each and every one of you for taking out the time to listen. If you missed last week's episode, I got a chance to sit down and chat with Nashia Conway, who is an attorney in Maryland, to discuss child support. And not only from a law standpoint, but also from her personal experience. So if you have any child support questions or you are thinking about considering child support, then definitely go listen. She dropped a lot of gems and I think that you will greatly benefit from it. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to let you guys know that I am hosting a single moms level up challenge and what we are going to cover in that challenge on week one is going to be mindset so a lot of people don't know that most things start in their mind so if you think that you have money issues or issues with time um, it all goes back to the type of mindset and your beliefs about money and time work through those mindsets to figure out how to shift your negativity to positivity and actually figure out what type of mindset you have and then we're going to work on figuring out where our time is going and how we can develop a schedule for ourselves and then we're also going to look at how we're spending our money and work to develop a budget so that we can ultimately level up check out singleblackmotherhood.com backslash level up. I am going to be giving you guys worksheets, resources, and accountability through a private Facebook group. All right. So today I actually had the privilege of chatting with D about her domestic violence journey. So as you know, October is Domestic Violence Month, and I thought it would be great to have someone to come on and share their story and how they got through that. So Dee does a really great job of um, talking about the different stages that she went through and where she is today. So without further ado, Let's get into this episode, and if you guys find it helpful, please don't hesitate, rate the podcast, and leave a review wherever you are listening. Also, feel free to share the podcast with someone you know that may be experiencing domestic violence or that has experienced domestic violence, and you can always reach out to me via DM and give me your feedback as well. Hi, Dee. Welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am so excited to have you on to talk about your story. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me and giving me an opportunity to share. You are welcome. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. I'm Dee. I'm from Virginia. I'm a teacher and I've been a single mom for about two years now. And um, I'm also a domestic violence survivor, so 
Uh, thank you, Kim, for giving me the opportunity to share my experience so that I can help other women who might be going through it or who have gone through it um, to get some motivation to get the support that they need. Awesome. And again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know you are sacrificing your sleep. So I really <laughs> do appreciate that. But I just want to briefly define domestic violence for those moms who out who are out there and they may be listening and wondering, well, what exactly is domestic violence? Because I feel like we kind of use the word so loosely, but nobody ever mm-hmm. like really breaks it down. So domestic violence is violent or aggressive behavior within the home and it typically involves the violent abuse of a spouse or a partner and so during my little research that I did I found that there was a cycle um, when it comes to domestic violence and so Dee I'm gonna just kind of talk a little bit about what I found and then we can kind of get into your story and see if some of those things that I talk about um, you actually had to deal with is that okay with you yeah Okay, so there's a phase one, and this is called the tension building phase. So you have to deal with verbal insults, put downs, accusations. Um, You become passive and you're trying to calm the man down, and then tension builds, and the man becomes more oppressive, and then the woman begins to feel helpless. And so the tension then becomes unbearable. So that's like, the first stage. And then we have phase two, um, where there is an acute battering incident. So those built up tensions eventually erupt into violence. And it's usually triggered by something in the man's life rather than the woman's behavior. So um, the woman thinks that it's her fault, but in actuality, it's something that has happened in the man's life. And he basically doesn't know how to deal with it. So he takes it out on the woman, um, whether it's, you know, sexual assault, um, whether he injures her or sometimes, you know, the men even kill the women because because of something that they're dealing with. Um, And then there's phase three, which is the honeymoon phase. So this is where, you know, the woman has went through all of this crap. The man becomes contrite, loving, apologetic, and he begs for forgiveness. So then the woman feels guilty. from leaving the man and she feels like if she stays he may not do it again but this is also a phase before the new cycle of violence begins so you know the cycle repeats and then now you make the decision to actually leave for good and then you know the case that there are kids you are trying to be a single parent at a time where you know you were used to kind of dealing with two um, incomes in the home. So now you have these money Mm -hmm. issues. Um, If you were like a stay-at-home mom, you would have job issues because you haven't been working. And then if you guys were staying together, you would have housing issues. And there could even be custody issues. So it's really hard and you get tired and you have all of these emotions. So I just wanted to, you know, share that because I thought that, that was interesting the way that they broke it down. So kind of talk about your story, Dee, and walk us through that. Yeah, I absolutely agree um, about the cycles looking back now. But when you're in it, you don't see it that way. You just see it like 
I was feeling like, oh, okay, every couple fights, every couple has an argument, so this is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were definitely some red flags in our relationship before I became pregnant, but I kind of was like, you know, not paying attention to it or just like, oh, maybe, you know, he was having, you know, an off day or something like that, you know, just making an excuse for it. Um, but once I became pregnant, um, that's when like the issues just started to explode. So they would start with, it didn't start with um, physical violence at first. It started with, you know, the name calling, the arguments, and we would get into arguments a lot. And I'm like, I would take the blame for whatever he was calling. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I was cussing him out too. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is not okay. So I kind of took the blame for it, took excuses for it. And then the um, name calling and the arguments escalated into destruction of property. At the time, now looking back at it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a that's a huge red flag. I mean, you know, my laptop was broken, iPad, you know, things that I felt like, you know, were mine and I liked, he destroyed them. I mean, sorority things. So it was a lot of things that he just, um, when he got angry, he would destroy out of anger to get to me. Um, so it escalated from the name calling, destruction of property. And then we would get into arguments. It became uh, physical. So the first time it was kind of like he held my arm really, really, really tight. And I woke up the next day and I had a huge bruise on my arm. And I'm walking oh around God. at work wearing long sleeves in August. Oh and I'm just like, okay, like, okay, like, okay, maybe, you know, because I was cussing him out. And I was like, maybe he was just like, you know, trying to calm me down. He was like, yeah, that was the excuse he was giving. Like, yeah, you were going crazy. You know, putting the blame on you and um, making sure that you always feel like you are the problem. So you never really are seeing exactly what is happening in the moment. So in that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm taking the blame for it. Like, yeah, you know, we got we're arguing really bad, and you know, maybe I was, maybe I was the problem. When in hindsight, no, that's not okay. I was also six weeks pregnant, so I'm six weeks pregnant, just when I was pregnant, and I have this huge bruise on my arm. Um, and it just like pretty much escalated from there. Um, looking back at it, he never took full responsibility for his actions it was always well if you didn't get me to this point or if you didn't make me this angry or if you didn't say what you had said then I wouldn't have done x y and z um so I was in an abusive relationship from the time I found out I was pregnant until my daughter was two months old and I mean I um uh around Christmas time we had gotten to an argument he did not want to find out the gender of the baby he had previously agreed to go, but his mood swings, and that's another sign as well. So, you know, the mood swings are up and down, you know, sporadically, and you just don't know why. So he had a mood swing, he didn't want to go. Um, my mom witnessed me to find out what I was having. Um, on this particular day, he, he was angry at something I did. I don't know exactly, I can't remember, but he was angry, and we had been sending, you know, mean and hateful texts throughout the day. Um, he told me he didn't want to in the child's life and he wanted to leave I told him he could leave so I get home I'm upset I'm gonna go went home to get some clothes to go to a friend's house and he gets upset that I'm leaving like I'm not entertaining 
the argument at this point. I'm like, if you want to leave, you want to leave. Because at this point, I'm done. Um, so he's like, you know, trying to block me from leaving. I'm like, no, I'm, I need to leave because you're just out of control right now. I just don't want to be here. And um, he punches me in the eye. Bust my left eye. I had a busted blood vessel in my eye. Oh, my God. So I'm on the floor, like, screaming, crying. And now by this time, I'm like, what, four four months pregnant because yeah because I found out what I was having that day um caused me to be word all this stuff and it, it is no remorse and now looking back at it it's like if that wasn't in your character to do something like that I feel like you would have been like oh my god like I can't believe I just did that there was no remorse like you punched me in my face and you're still calling me names like there was nothing and so like he's throwing my clothes across the apartment and just going crazy um so, D, I'm sorry. I Can I stop it. you one second? Did y'all live uh-huh. together? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, we lived together. Okay. So, we lived together before I got pregnant. We lived together for about mm, about five months before I found out I was pregnant. So, I got pregnant really early in our relationship. We weren't together. We were almost together for almost a year. And I found out I was pregnant. So, it was very unexpected. Um, but, I mean, in the beginning, he was kind of on board with it. He already he had a previous child from the... Um, previous relationship and the child would out of state but he would see the child the child would come and stay over some weekend so he was kind of on board he was also kind of like oh my gosh I'm about to have another kid um I'm not in a, in a position where I want to be in life to afford another kid so those conversations came up and I think that was also a root of his frustration but again I was so like I was to blame for it like but yeah so that incident um spiral a lot of things um happening because my friends my co-partners they didn't know what was going on um but I had to go to work the next day with this eye my eyes just blush I read go to work and um you know everybody's freaking out like work like what happened to you are you okay and I make up some wild story like oh I think I have pink eyes something like that they sent me home my job's like nah you gotta go you gotta go to the doctor you're pregnant I don't know what's going on but you gotta go um, I get to the doctor, and my eye was, like, so, in so much pain, like, I couldn't even be in sunlight, I had to wear sunglasses, because my eyes were just, like, blushed, I red, but blood had busted, um, so I went to the doctor, they told me, you know, I had a busted blood vessel in my eye, and it was going to take about two weeks to heal, this was right before Christmas, so I had to spend my Christmas pregnant with a busted eye um so I could not keep that hidden from family that much longer so um a sorority sister was supposed to come over to my house and I was trying to give her excuses not to come and she came anyway she busted on through and she looked at me she was like what she she cursed she was like what happened to you like is he hitting you and I I just busted out crying I couldn't hold it anymore so um I found a Shannon or a protective order against him and there was a warrant made for his arrest that day when the DA saw me she was like oh no he needs to be in jail she was like it's no reason why somebody is beating your pregnant girlfriend she's like have you seen what your eye looks like I'm like making all these excuses like it's not that bad she's like no it's bad and so my family came they moved me out they moved all my stuff out he was at work we did this all while he was at work um, I moved 
into my mom's house, which was about an hour away at the time. And this is part of the cycle where um, a lot of people say where people who are being abused, they usually leave a lot of times before they really leave. And so, I mean, I left and I, my family moved me out to my mom's house, but I I did not want to be there. It was not, I was not ready to leave. You know, I should have left and I should have stayed. I just wasn't ready. I was just like emotionally and like had so many feelings. Like I cannot do this alone. I just kept saying, I can't do this alone. Like this is not supposed to happen like this. And, you know, he's a good guy. He just, you know, had a bad day. I'm just making all these excuses. So unfortunately, I only stayed at my mom's house for about a month before I moved back into our apartment. And um, just tried to think positively like thinking like okay this is not going to happen again um but it it did that was just like one incident so it continued to happen it was it, it was a cycle like you said like it would start with the arguments we would um argue a lot over money like bills and stuff like that um and then that would escalate into the name calling and then that would escalate into something like the remote thrown at my face or um, him calling me retarded or him making me sleep on the couch and locking me out of the bedroom, um, him slapping me and calling me the B word. And this was all while I was pregnant. So not only am I pregnant, I'm also a teacher. So not only am I dealing with this at home, I'm pregnant, gotta go to work and come back and deal with this again. So it was a lot. I was very stressed out, I was very, um, became depressed I just did I just felt stuck because I knew that if I left I didn't know how to leave and I didn't know how to take on the full role of being a single parent like I just felt like I needed him for some strange reason I don't know why I just felt like I could not leave like I needed to try to make this work for my kid because I didn't come from a single parent home I came from a two-parent home both of my parents were married for a very long time and so I was just like, no, I just don't want this. Like, I, maybe we can go to counseling or something like that. I just, I just did not want to um, resort to being a single parent. So, again, offered counseling. I said, maybe we should go to counseling. He didn't want to go. The day I had my daughter, I was supposed to go to, uh, I went to my doctor's appointment. And they checked my blood pressure and they were like, oh, no you need to go to the hospital. My blood pressure was something like ridiculously crazy, like 190 over 160. They, was, they oh were really scared. So um, it was probably from stress. Uh, and I'm so glad that I was in the right place at the right time. So my mom ended up coming with me to the doctor's appointment. He was supposed to go. He didn't go. On top of that, he had gotten a whole new phone with a whole new phone number that I did not have. Uh, so there was no way for me to call him or text him and say, hey, I'm about to have a baby. I had to freaking email him. And my mom was just shaking her head like, this is ridiculous. So anyways, we get to the hospital. Um, my blood pressure goes down a little bit, but the baby's heart rate starts to drop. And it dropped all the way to 50, she went from 150 to 50. So all these doctors rush in, they tell me I had to have emergency C-section. Um, I had to be put straight to sleep. They had um, rushed me into the OR. My daughter was delivered, not breathing. 
she had to get a resuscitated at birth. And all of that probably stemmed from the stress of being abused while I was pregnant. Um, but she made it through. They told me that she was going to have developmental delays. She was in the NICU for two weeks. Um, they told me she was going to have seizures, developmental delays, all that because she was not breathing at birth. She's two years old. She's way more advanced than any two-year-old I've ever seen. So that's not the case. But during that time, he um, he did end up finally coming to the hospital because I emailed him and told him what was going on. But it was just, it was no remorse for anything that had happened. No, like, remorse you know, towards the baby, like, oh my gosh, the baby's in Nikki. Like, it was just like, he was just pale. He was there, but he wasn't there. Um, we got into an argument at the hospital over the baby's last name. And so that was another thing to deal with. Um, and I ended up letting him, you know, drive me home and stay at, at the apartment with him because I had a C-section and I needed some help getting around. And I was like, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to go home. we got the baby now. I hope that things um, smooth over and get better. She was about three weeks. So things were good for about the first three weeks of her life. Um, she was about three weeks old, and he's in another mood. He decides that he wants to take my three-week-old to New York where his family lives. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to take her. She's a newborn. He didn't want me to go. He wanted to take the baby. Uh, we get into an argument about this. Um, he has the baby in his hands, and he's trying to take the baby. I'm like, no, you're not taking my kid. And then he punches me in the head so hard I can hear my ears ringing and knocking on the floor. I'm screaming. The neighbors call the cops. Two neighbors call the cops. The cops in the back of my door. And here I am covering for him again, saying, oh, we just got into an argument. And my head is still ringing. I didn't know now, but I had a concussion because my head was ringing for a good four hours. Oh my and um, so um, I told the cops, you know, everything is fine. You know, we just had an argument, whatever. And, you know, the next day he's saying, now this time he's saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to get some help. Blah, blah, blah. And he gives me a ring. Now he does not propose to me. He gives me this ring. And I don't know if that ring was for me to stay, um, but it definitely didn't make me want to stay. Like at that point, I just had an epiphany. I'm like, he held my daughter, or he held our daughter, and punched me in the head and gave me a concussion with like, it was like second nature to him. And I just don't know if I can have my kid grow up with two parents in the household who are just, and watching her mom get beat up all the time. I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, and another <laughs> motivator for me was me asking his mom, you know, has he ever done this? And she told me to leave. She's like, that's my son. What? Uh, that's all I'm going to say. You need to leave. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That so was terrible. That means that you know that your son, what your son is doing, you know how he is. And I mean, why hasn't I mean, he gotten I, any help or why haven't you suggested it? And that's, I just feel like that's another issue we have also in our community. We like to make, especially for men, I don't know what it is about our sons, like to make so many excuses for them and not hold them accountable for their actions. I just feel like for him, he has a lot of family members who know the story because I'm not the first 
um, you know, person to have a baby with him. He has another child. And um, they know, you know, he has some issues, but nobody is like, you know, confronting him about it or holding him accountable. But, you know, that's another story for another day, whatever. And I was like, that's all I need. So over the course of, of when she was three weeks old, so about like a month after that, we didn't have any more arguments because I was slowly moving things out. And he didn't realize what was going on until I had actually left. So I was able to move into my mom's house. I'm thankful for her for letting me stay here. She lives about an hour from where I was currently living. And I just, day by day, just started grabbing more things, little things. And he just wasn't even noticing things were gone until like he looked up and nothing was left with the couch and the TV. And all of my stuff, all the baby stuff was gone, everything. Um, went to the leasing office, told him what happened. I'm so thankful that my authority system made me get the protective order because I have proof that there was some domestic violence going on in the apartment, got off the lease. I was gone. And that's when the, I'm sorry, I want my family back, I miss my baby. That's when all that started. It, it was not happening when we were living together. But when I was actually gone and I told myself I was not going back and I told him that, that's when the, you know, apologies and all that started. Um, but that only lasted for about until she was about five months old. And um, when he realized that I was not coming back, he said a lot of hateful things. And I just was like, no, I'm, I don't need to communicate with you. You know where to find me if you want to see your child. And that was the last time he saw his daughter. He has not been to anything, christening, first birthday party, first day of school, none of that is not involved at all so I do everything on my own but I do it on my own in peace because I don't have to worry about me or her safety because when I was living with him I was kind of like on edge because I don't know what he was going to do how he was feeling it's, it's, it's like you're walking on eggshells all the time and it feels so much better to not feel like that and just do it by yourself. I, it's hard. That first year of me leaving and staying gone was very, very hard. You go through so many emotions and there's something called the Stockholm Syndrome where the victim feels attached to the abuser and they feel like they need the abuser. I definitely missed that. I just felt like, oh my gosh, like maybe I didn't make the right decision. Maybe he will change. And then I just remember all of the things that I went through, you know, within the past year, me being pregnant. And I was like, no. And I just look at my daughter and she's just like a motivator every day. I'm just like, no, she deserves better than that. She deserves at least one parent that's going to give her a peaceful uh, household than two parents that are just going to give her chaos. Like, I just can't imagine what our lives would be like if we were to stay, if we would even be alive. I, I, I don't know. because Yeah, man, that is crazy. Yeah. I just, you know, every time I hear these stories, I'm just like, I don't even know, like, how to explain what happens to the mind uh, when you start to experience that. It's like the abuser has, like, some sort of, I don't know um, what you would call it, but on the victim, you know, it's like, what is it that is making you 
stay in this situation? Like, what is it that makes you feel like you need this person, even though they're actually beating on you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Um, And, you know, if you've never been through a situation, like I've never been through that. So I don't know what it feels like. But, you know, from the research that I read, you know, it basically says what you are saying. and, And I don't, I don't know if they've done any studies to figure out, you know, what happens or what triggers something that tells you you need to stay. Um, I, I don't know. And I feel like women um, are so afraid. Um, and it may be, like I said earlier, you know, the money issue and raising a kid on their own and trying mm-hmm. to find, you know, like all of the emotions, like you said, like mentally that is, you know, can make you break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely hard. Like, I will not lie. It is very hard because I feel like, you know, you see two different sides of a person. So you see the potential, you see the the person that you fell in love with, the loving, the caring side. And then there's this other side that is abusive. But because you know the other side, that kind of like was for me, the motivator to say like, oh, like, you know, if he could just, you know, change this, or if we could just do this, you know, things would be so much better. And what a lot of people don't realize, abuse is not just physical too, like abuse is verbal, emotional. So if you are still with somebody who's doing those things to you, you're getting abused too. He might not be hitting you every day, but if he's calling you out your name and, you know, shutting you off emotionally, that's also abuse. But because they know that other side of the person, I know a lot of women, they just and to say, or that's all they know, like the thought of starting over, especially with kids, like that is just something that nobody really wants to do. Um, but yeah, that's definitely like a motivator just to say, like, I don't want to start over. I don't want to be a single mom. I don't want to do this on my own. It's, it's hard. And that's scary for a lot of people because it's unknown. Like they know their spouse, even though they're abusing them or hitting them, whatever. Like I knew him. I knew that. But being on my own was the unknown. I didn't know that. I don't know what that's going to be like. And that was scary. But everybody gets to a breaking point. And I definitely got to mine. I'm thankful I got to mine when my daughter didn't really know what was going on and the effects of that couldn't touch her. So she won't Um, have that memory. Um, And that, you you know, be grateful for. But I'm sure that some of the moms that are listening, they may not have been that fortunate. And the kids might have been able to see. And, you know, just to be honest um, and, you know, put a little bit of my story out here. I didn't go through domestic violence in a sense, but I guess um, I did experience like some characteristics, but um, I got out very early. Like I don't have um, tolerance. Like my patience is very thin. So um, (laughs) like me and my (laughs) father we used to argue a lot and so one time um, like you mentioned him like pulling on your arm or whatever like my child's dad did that once and I think he was going through um, a stage where he was dealing with like anger management um, and I don't want to go too deep into that because I feel like uh, he like he does listen I think but um, yeah he was going through like anger problems basically and so, right, right. um he never like hit me but that was like that one um time that he did that because uh we would have these arguments and 
like I was the type, you know, like a lot of women um, in our community, they tend to curse at the guys and this and that and the other, but mm-hmm. I'm not that type. So I would be the type that would just shut down and that like burned him up. Like if I didn't say anything back, he, it would just like trigger something. He would get very angry at me. And so eventually, um, you know, like, after the arm pulling or whatever, he would like throw objects and stuff like that. Um, and you mm-hmm. know, like breaking your iPad or whatever. So he actually, I had this back in the day, like when you had these like MP3 docs <laughs> and it wasn't even that long ago, but I'm just saying like, so he threw that and it broke. And so at that moment, my daughter was maybe like one and she was sitting in her high chair and she was eating something. And he did that in front of her. And from that moment, like I silently began to plan like a way out because I was like, I'm not about to sit in here um, just because like I need his support and like paying the bills. And girl, I was like, okay, how are you going to get up out of here? And Mm -hmm. how much money do you need? What do you need to do? And so I started looking around. And long story short, I found this um, low-income apartment. And I was like, you know, still working my server job. I don't think at that time I had a full-time job because I was um, trying to go back to college um, the following um, semester. Because I think this was probably like during um, the fall semester and the classes that I needed to take weren't offered then. So anyways, I ended up uh, moving out, and then um, I guess he got better. He was like, you know, he, do- he doesn't do that anymore. And I don't know, like now, you know, um, I've moved and all of that. And so he says, like, he doesn't have those issues anymore. Um, I'm, I guess he's learned how to, like, cope with them, but I don't know. You know, I haven't stayed with him um, since I left, you know, and I talked to him. He sounds like he's fine. He sounds like he's gotten past that, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, it wasn't ever a point where he actually hit on me, but it was just those, like, behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, um, I couldn't allow myself to go through that. And then for my daughter to see him like throwing things or getting like very angry and she's just one, you know, um, even though she couldn't talk, I didn't want her to see that because you never know like what kind of experience may be traumatic for your kid, even though she's one, like, I don't know how that's going to impact her. And so I tried to explain that to him. He didn't really understand. And I guess maybe now he may understand looking back because we'll talk about it all the time. Like we're in a place where we can, you know, like communicate, um, which I know for some people, you know, you may not be able to do that, especially in situations like yours where you actually um, getting beat on. But we are able to go back and, you know, talk about things that happen. And so he just was like, he doesn't know what happened. I think we were like 21 and 22. So now, you know, I'm 27, he's 28. So I guess, you know, we have done a lot of growing. I mean, I don't know if it was like childish behavior or if he actually has a problem that he didn't deal with. I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, it's just a little bit of my story. And so um, just to get back to you. So after, you know, you decided to leave um what did that look like for you d um did you end up going to therapy um did your family help out like how were they as support i know you mentioned your sorority sister coming over and it kind of you know got her upset a little bit but 
you know, just being able to trust those people and talk to them about your feelings. Um, can you talk about that? Because I feel like when women are in these situations, um, like you said, you didn't want to be at your mom's house. And I'm sure if you had a friend that invited you over, you wouldn't want to stay at their house. You wanted to be back at that apartment. So um, right. how was that for you being able to finally accept that, okay, I needed to leave and this is where I'm going to be right now. And I need to vent to somebody and it may not be, you know, these family members, but maybe I need to seek counseling. Maybe um, that's what I need to do to get through this. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so I uh, I have not moved back home since college, so this was hard for me. I've been very independent, been on my own since college. So me humbling myself and coming back to my mom's house was a huge step in itself. Um, and I'm still going through um, finding a therapist and going through therapy for that. But I did join um, a mom's group when she was about two to three months old and that just helped me to like to meet other moms and get out the house because I was on maternity leave until October so I moved in my mom's house around August so from August to October I had time to like get my thoughts a little bit together um definitely going to church praying to God because um you go through so many emotions and things you just don't know how to deal with them and I've never been in this space. I've never been in this situation before. I don't know anybody personally who's been through this because it, it can make you feel very alone. Um, but through my family and close friends, I mean, I have a best friend who I've been to every day and she has just been there and she's been very supportive and, you know, just been a non-judgmental ear. Um, I had a family friend who was able to come to the house when I went back to work to watch her so I wasn't I didn't have to put her in daycare that first year which was awesome um so there's been like little things like people will come over and watch her and just like give me a break and um you know take me out try to get me out the house so that first year being away was really hard for me because I was going through you know the separation and you know the traumatic effects of being abused and being a new mom going back to work you know, now I have a commute. And so it was just a lot of stressors in my life that were happening and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I do appreciate there was some support system there um, for me to try to cope with what was going on. But I am um, still going through therapy because it's a lot. It's not something that you get over in a couple of months or even right. a year. Like, mm-hmm. so this was a, a lot to process like like that those only were you were traumatic. <laughs> like. yeah yeah those experiences are very traumatic so you have ptsd you have postpartum depression you are a single mom it's just like it's a whole lot of things that um were going on at one time and so i'm thankful that i did have a couple people here to not let me go off the deep end because it was a lot and um now this year is getting you know a lot better we're into a a routine she's older now and so um the stresses are kind of like wearing off a little bit but the after effects of being abused I don't know if they ever go away I, I don't know I'm still working through that myself like am I 100% okay no but am I much in a much better place than I was two years ago yes most definitely like I'm at a point now where I can talk about this without busting out in tears and crying like it, it's just baby steps and 
that's what um, I need other women to know. Like, it will get better. Like, there's no time, you know, frame on it, but it will get better. And at the end, you know, you'll be alive. Your babies will be alive. You don't have to live in that type of fear of, you know, what if I come home today and he's upset? Like, I I don't miss that at all. And um, you will get over that, that syndrome of feeling like you need him. You don't need him. Anybody that's mistreating you that way, you don't need there's there's nothing you need about that. So right. I am um, that with thankful. very early on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, oh my patience are too thin. I can't. But yeah. um what was I gonna say? So I guess, you know, one thing that you, you know, had to realize was that you had to change your environment to I guess mm-hmm. Um, clear your mind to be able to think clearly and to figure out what to do and then you had to have a support system so for those moms out there who may not actually have that D they don't have anywhere to go they don't have anybody um, what are some things that you would recommend I know that there are uh, shelters out there um, you know like if maybe they can't trust their families, um, maybe they have friends, I guess, that they can go to. Um, do you know of any, like, organizations that help out? I haven't done, like, a whole lot of research in that records, but I'm probably sure that you could Google it in your area if you are a mom and you're experiencing that and you want to get out. Um, I'm pretty sure that you could find a place. Yeah, definitely. Um, I used the National uh, Domestic Violence Hotline before. Um, One night after we got in an argument and he had um, slapped me in the face. And you can uh, reach out to them via phone, via text, or you can do an online messenger thing. And it's like where they um, discreetly message you so that if he happens to look on your computer or something like that or tries to go through your phone, he won't know that you called them. Um, They will actually look up resources in your area. Oh, nice. And yeah, you tell them where you live and they will look up um, different organizations that help women um, in your area. Unfortunately, what I found though, for people who make over a certain income limit, you kind of are excluded from that help because I had reached out to a couple of places where I live now and it was kind of like oh you don't you know you make over the limits or you're going to be put at the bottom of the list so there is that so I am thankful that I do have my family so if those women who do not have family I would definitely tell them to reach out to those organizations and just make that point known like you don't have anywhere else to go um, and this is urgent and they should be able to um I know in DC yeah Yeah. in DC there are a lot of um, organizations that help women with domestic violence Um, I know of one called House of Ruth because coincidentally I had to help a former student's mother who was in a situation like this and I connected her with um, an organization in DC called House of Ruth and they were able to um, find her housing um, and get her situated in a safer environment for her and my so there is that organization in DC, but because I made over a certain income limit, I was not able to receive those benefits. But I also have my family here, so that worked out for me as well. 
Yeah, and I know, um, like what you said with the organizations, like sometimes if you can find like temporary housing or I think what's called transitional housing, then Mm -hmm. you can, you know, get with one of those organizations and they may actually begin to help you like find an apartment and get back on your feet. Um, I know here in Houston, there are some places um, I think like church organizations that would actually do that for you. I met a mom oh, yeah. here and her and her daughter escaped from, I can't remember if it was like her ex-husband or maybe it was her, just a boyfriend or something. But um, she literally came with nothing. And the church had like a, a transitional program where like, you know, they would take in women and children and they only had like so many spots, but they ended up getting one. And so she didn't have a car. She didn't have, you know, clothes. I mean, they just like escaped to a whole nother state. And so Mm -hmm. now um, her story is phenomenal because she's actually um, able, you know, they got her like, I think a car or a van or something. And then she was able Mm -hmm. to get an apartment. And now, you know, they are fully functional and she um, goes around to talk to other moms. So I mean, you know, it is a way out, but you just have to be willing to, you know, do the work and do the research and just believe that the days ahead will be better. And like you said, there, it is a slow process and you can't expect to heal overnight, but it does get better. Yeah, most definitely. And I think all women get to a point where it's their breaking point and they just don't want to deal with it anymore. And that's when they can act on their plan. If they plan to go stay with a friend or if they plan to go with a family member or like you said, church, um, there are some churches that offer um, assistance to moms who are trying to escape um, their situation. So there are a lot of resources out there. It's just when you're in it, you just have to be at a point where you just can't take it no more. And like the first time when I left, I wasn't at that point, which is why I went back and which is why a lot of other women go back as well, because, you know, they're not there yet. They're not ready. And it's hard for other people who haven't been in it to understand it. But when you're ready, you're going to leave and you're not going to go back. But it, it, it it's a process. And, um, you know, prayerfully you get out before it's too late but you just have to be at this point where you just do not want to go back because going back is not going to make anything any better it's going to make probably make things worse um because they say the most dangerous time for a woman in that situation is when she's trying to leave because they feel like they don't have that control over you anymore and so that might make them do more violent things yeah and so The one thing I want to say, Dee, and, and I'll again put this back out here that I haven't been exactly through domestic violence, but um, when I was growing up, there was this um, couple at church and like on the outside looking in, you would think that everything is all good. Well, he had told her, like her husband told her that basically um, if she left him, nobody else would have her. And so, um, I just want to put this out here because like, you never know a person you think, you know, these guys, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have no idea. And he was like the coolest guy ever. We called him Nelly cause he looked just like Nelly. And I mean, he was supposed to be like this deacon in the church, this side and the other. Well, the girl, she was telling us that, she, you know, she was going to plan to leave him or whatever. And she told him she was leaving do you know that she came home and he shot her through the Mm -hmm. car and killed her? 
and he's like serving life now and she's no longer here and her little girl had to grow up without a mother so it's serious y'all if you're in these relationships and I know it's tough but you can make it and you can find help and get out of these situations and if somebody yeah. ever tells you that you take it serious because I've learned from and that's probably why I didn't take a lot of crap from my child's father was because of you know that that I saw growing up uh, with the girl and her husband like mm-hmm. I I don't know I just I couldn't get over that and I was like that little girl you know now she's probably like I don't know eight or nine but you know her parents have to live with that they have to look in that little girl's face every day and see their kid that was shot and now her dad yeah. is in prison and it's just it's just a mess it is and yeah that's so sad and that was yeah that's an eye-opener as well especially when you're in it you're just like you don't know you can't take their actions for granted you can't like assume what they're going to do because they're sporadic with their actions so you don't know like maybe tomorrow he might go get a gun and just go crazy and yeah um, and like you said you told him you was leaving and what did he do he punched you because you said you were leaving so never tell him that you're leaving y'all please that is the one thing that if you haven't learned anything else you don't tell him that because you never don't tell him that you're leaving and like take things like like I was doing I was just taking things a little bit at a time I wasn't like boxing things up and making it noticeable while he was at work I would come um, to the apartment, take some things out, go stay at my mom's house, come back while he's at work. Like, I was never there when he was there taking these things out um, because I did not, you know, feel comfortable or safe knowing that he would be there. And, I'm, you know, he knows that I'm leaving. So I never um, made it known that I was actually going to be leaving until I was gone. Um yeah, because it's scary because we had a situation in this area about a couple of years ago, a teacher um, in the county I worked for, um, her and her daughter were shot and killed by her baby father. Um, he had threatened her. She had put him on child support. He threatened her saying, you know, take me off child support. Um, and he rolled up to her house as, as she was getting ready to go to work and shot up the car. So he shot her and the two-year-old that was in the car. And now he's in jail. And so um, that that's just like another example of like why you just need to leave. You just need to leave. You just choose life for you and your child or just for yourself. Like, because you just never know what their next move will be. They're, they're not mentally stable, you know. So you just don't know like what could happen next. And that's scary. Like for me, I don't like that feeling. So yeah, it's better to get out. Yes. So where is Dee now after, you know, she's been through all of this? I just want you to kind of talk about like where you are, you're teaching, you're helping other women now, you have your photography business. Um, I just want them to see that, you know, there is hope and that they can, you know, still achieve their goals even after they have been through this. And, you know, you have to learn that you still have an identity outside of your child, you know. Right, right. Most definitely. Like, yeah, definitely take this time when you leave to heal. And that's what I've been doing. Like, um, just finding yourself again. Like, I've always loved photography, but I couldn't do photography and be caught up in that mess. Like, there was just no way for me to do that. So yeah, I'm still teaching. This is my ninth year teaching. Um, Raising a two year old. (laughs) 
um, and then doing the photography business on the side. I'm just, you know, finding things, finding myself again, because I feel like in that situation, I lost myself because I'm just so focused on him, you know, like making sure he's happy so he doesn't do X, Y, and Z. So just focusing on finding myself and healing throughout the process because it is, you know, a healing process from that. It's very traumatic. So, and again, I'm not 100%, but I'm way much better than I was a couple of years ago. And I mean, I just want to be an example to other women. Like you can make it, you can do these things. You can go through this and still come out great. Like just because you went through this or you experienced that doesn't mean that your life is doomed or you can't do anything else. Just because you're a single parent doesn't mean you can't, you know, live a life that you want. So um, that's what my goal is now to just help other people realize just because your past experiences may have been rough doesn't mean you can't come out on top. Yes, I love that. <laughs> well, D, that is pretty much all I have. Thank you so much again for sharing your story and just taking out the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else that you know, you want to say to the moms who um, may be experiencing domestic violence or they may have just recently gotten out of it? Oh, thank you again for um, talking with me. And uh, my only advice would just to be like confide in um, a friend. Um, just confide in them and then so that somebody knows what's going on. Because a lot of times we wouldn't sugarcoat like you know, how we're doing or how our relationships are going, but, you know, behind closed doors is something different. So I would definitely say, you know, find at least one person that you are telling them the real deal, like what's going on. And so that if anything happens, that person knows, you know, where you are, what's going on, and they can, you know, help you through the process of getting out. Um, and even if they're not there, they can call the police or, you know, call somebody else in your area to come help you because you need that support. You cannot do it on your own. That's another thing, too. Once you come out of your situation, you definitely need a support system. So if that's through your family, through church, through any program that you're connected to, um, you definitely need a support system because you cannot do this on your own. And just take the time to heal and find yourself because it's it's a healing process but if you get to a point where you realize you want better for yourself and you deserve better for yourself you won't ever want anything like that again never yes oh my gosh well d um let everybody know where they can find you and connect with you on social yes so uh, my instagram is kind of ratchet but you can find me <laughs> on my personal <laughs> instagram at girla um, that's with eight A's. But my photography um, Instagram, you can follow me at JMB Photography 16. And I named my photography business after my daughter. So that's where I got the name from. Oh, awesome. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> follow me on Instagram. I follow back. And um, yeah, just be great. Go out there and be great. Awesome. I will link your um, social media handles in the show notes. That way they can find you and click on the links and then they can be taken to your page. Yes, most definitely. And if there's any DMV moms who want to reach out, DM me, uh, we can chat. I can definitely try to connect you to some resources that I know in the area. 
um, because we definitely want you to be safe and get out of your situation. Yes. DMV moms, please reach out to her. Yes. All right, Dee. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me, Cam. It was a pleasure sharing my experiences with you and the other moms that are listening. You are welcome. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Dee. I really appreciate her for taking the time out to be transparent and vulnerable to sit here and share her story with you guys. Um, I know some of you may be listening and you probably were able to relate and say, me too, that happened to me too. And if it did, I just want you to know that, like Dee said, things do get better. Uh, Just believe in the process and know that it will take some work and it's not going to happen overnight. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, Please take a moment and leave a review. Let us know what you thought and if this was actually helpful. If you are not listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a comment on SoundCloud or simply DM me on Instagram. I always love to hear from you guys um, to see what you thought about the episodes and whether they were helpful or not. And as always, please share with your family, single mom friends, anybody you feel that needs to hear this message. You can connect with me over on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood, on Facebook at Single Black Motherhood, and you can also check out the website www.singleblackmotherhood.com. And before we get out of here, I just wanted to let you guys know that you can still sign up for the Level Up Challenge. It is a challenge for single moms who are looking to get to the next level in their life. So we're going to be talking about mindset, time, and money. For more details, you can visit singleblackmotherhood backslash level up. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.